Welcome to the podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a weekly service for anyone of any faith who is seeking hope. You can learn more and find more messages like this by visiting mygatewayfellowship.com. Now, one of the things that I love about living in Washington, D.C., now a lot of you don't know this, for my ninth birthday, I got to go back to my, when I was eight years old and tell you what happened. I played hooky from school. And, and these were the days where they would, I don't know how they did that back then. But Teresa, remember the days that mother would just leave you at home? Like you're, you could be seven years old and they would go to work and just leave you at home, uh, put a phone number. If something goes wrong, call this number or go to your neighbor next door if something goes wrong. But I was eight years old <laughs> and I was just there at the house. And uh, actually what I wanted to do was to watch something on TV. And so um, um, whatever I was trying to watch, I couldn't find. And I ended up watching a TV show, uh, where actually was a movie from the 30s called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And I was eight years old when I first saw that movie with Jimmy Stewart. And what it was about is that this, uh, uh, this gentleman was just an average gentleman. Actually, he was like a Boy Scout leader, but he was like in his 30s. And um, they needed someone as a puppet congress, a senator. And so they decided to just place him as a senator while they are making this big maneuver to, uh, to take money and all this stuff. And so he got wind of what was going on and he shocked everyone and he stood up for the whole thing and, and literally just blew Congress apart. And for whatever reason, seeing Washington, D.C. just had such an effect on me because I remember when Mr. Smith first got to Washington, uh, they were waiting for him at the Senate office and he didn't show up. And they were wondering, where was he at? And they discovered that he had gotten off the train and he had went and started seeing the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument. And, and I remember as a little kid, I just said, man, if I could just see that stuff one day. And so for my ninth birthday, I am not joking. My mother will tell you, my brothers and sisters will tell you this. My ninth birthday, I didn't want a Hot Wheel. I didn't want, let me tell you what I wanted for my ninth birthday a map of Washington, D.C. And so that was my present for my ninth birthday. If you see any of the pictures of my room in Oregon, all the way until I graduated high school, there is a map of Washington, D.C. on my, was on my uh, wall. Never been to D.C., but I had a dream that one day I wanted to come to Washington, D.C. I wanted to see the Lincoln Memorial. In fact, the craziest thing, Brennan, and Brennan can witness this, is that um, by, I don't know how it happened, but by the time I got to D.C., I had every street memorized. And it's just the craziest thing. I remember being here in the military, and we were with some guys, and we were driving around sightseeing our first day, and then they were like, all right, how do we get back? I said, all right, make a left here on New Hampshire. Okay, we're going to go down to Pennsylvania Avenue. We're going to cross over the bridge. They said, Terry, you said you've never been here before. I said, I never have been here before. And I could get us right back to Bowling Air Force Base. And they're friends to this day. They will call me lost in D.C., are almost out of gas and say, Pastor Terry, I'm almost out of gas. Where are you at? OK, go to N Street on N Street. I want you to cross over to 13. There'll be a B, there'll be a BP gas station on your left hand side. You'll be there in three minutes. And so it's just crazy. I have just had this love for Washington, D.C. And so when I came back to D.C. the second time as a pastor, Mondays are my day off. And what I would do is go and look for historical things on Mondays. 
and I would go to the Battle of Bladensburg. I can just take you to places you would never imagine. I could tell, take you to the door where John Wilkes ran, Booth ran out of the door after he shot Lincoln. The physical door is still there. I mean, I can just show you so many things uh, when it comes to history. Now, speaking of history, there is one thing I want to share with you that I really want you to listen to. Because this was something that really touched me. Because what we're going to talk about tonight is simply feeling hopeless. Let me repeat that. Feeling hopeless. This person, when he was born, he was extremely attached to his mother. In fact, they called him a mama's boy because he loved his mother so, so much. Well, unfortunately, when he was just around seven, eight years old, his mother died. That left him heartbroken. Well, he did the best that he could. He couldn't read, he couldn't write, but his stepmother came along and she helped him to be able to at least read and to write. Well, he finally got his first job and he was fired. Well, he decided that he wanted another job and it was going to be a very easy job. It's going to be working for a person simply cutting logs down. He did it for three days and they fired him again for no reason. Well, at this time, he decided to run for a position there in Illinois that no one else was running for it. I mean, there was not a single name on the ballot. And someone said, you're a good, honest man. Why don't you just put your name on there and you could, at least it'll give you a few dollars that you can do. Well, he signed up to run against no one. Two days before the election, someone signed their name up and that person won. Talking about feeling hopeless. He started up a business, a little small store. But let me tell you what the problem was. He was so nice that people would say, you know what, I'm going to pay you next week. And you know what would happen if you did that to just about every customer. The store within a year went bankrupt. And he ended up owing more money than he even started the store with. Well, after that, he ran for the legislative of Illinois. Once again, he lost. Now, he was a very shy, timid man, very shy. If you read anything in history, you'll know this. Um, never had a girlfriend, never dated. Well, he finally saw a girl that he liked. He just, 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 just finally saw her, and he went out and asked her to go out with her, and she said yes. So they went out for just a little bit. He finally got the nerve to ask this girl to marry him. He got on his knee, gave her the ring, and guess what she said? No way. <laughs> True story. After that, he met another girl a few years later. She became the love of his life. He asked her to marry him. And guess what she said? She said yes. But she died before they could get married. True story. This was enough for him. He literally, after this, had a nervous breakdown, and he was institutionalized. We're talking about feeling hopeless. It was there while he was institutionalized that he remembered something 
that his mother had said to him. And you know, we talked about mothers last week and mother's prayers. And his mother had said this to him that he remembered being there in that hospital. She said that prayers will never leave you or forsake you. And he went on to quote his mother many times saying, I remember my mother's prayers. They have always followed me and they have clung on to me at my lowest times. Well, after getting out of the institution, he decided to run once again for the state legislative. He wanted to help with mental issues. He lost. He ran for Congress. He lost. He ran for Congress one more time. And this time he won, but then he only was able to serve not the whole term because he was defeated before he could even finish his term. And the list just goes on and on. Um, um, he, was, he decided to become a land surveyor, could never pass the test, no matter how hard he tried. He ran for the U.S. Senate. He was defeated. He ran for to be the vice president of the United States. He just put his name on there because friends suggested that he do it because he had such a good heart. He lost the nomination. Ran for Senate once a time, but once again, lost. Well, y'all, something happened in 1860. If you haven't guessed by now, Abraham Lincoln became the president of the United States of America. Go back and read it. Everything here is absolutely true. If there was ever a reason for a person to give up and to quit, Lincoln should have done it. But he had said, I remember the prayers of my mother for me. Friends, our scripture today is taken from the book of Mark chapter 10. It's one of my favorite passages that's book of Mark, chapter 10. And I'm going to go ahead and just read uh, uh, 46 through 52. I'm going to go ahead and just read it to the very end. And it's a story that I was able to read while I was at home these last few days. And I've read this so many times that it just came real to me. And it's a story of blind Bartimaeus. And notice what it says here. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd was leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which is a son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49. Jesus stopped and called him. So they called the blind man, cheer on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. Friends, we're talking about hopelessness. Here we have a situation of a guy by the name of Bartimaeus. And let me just tell you, 
that we call him Bartimaeus, but Bartimaeus wasn't even really his name. Because the scripture says that he was Timaeus. He was, excuse me, the son of Timaeus. And so they just put that together and said Bartimaeus. So here we have a person that his name is not even recorded. And his situation seemed completely hopeless. It seemed impossible. It seemed like he had no help because he sat by the road begging. Let me just give you a little bit of a history of a blind person or a person of a handicap in Jesus's day. But typically you can read Josephus, Josephus and you can read about how the blind people were treated. Now you have to understand this, that Bartimaeus, the way that he would have to make a living was begging. So every day he would go to the city gates and he would beg. But this is the catch now that most likely Josephus says that someone like Bartimaeus would have to beg someone to take him to the city gates. So just think about that. Begging someone to take you to go beg. Then begging all day long, you would once again have to beg someone to bring you back home again. Begging to go beg, begging to come back. Day after day after day. If there was ever a person who had a right to give up, it was Bartimaeus. Because his situation seemed hopeless. It seemed impossible. Now notice the scripture, it says that, that when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus coming by, what did he do? He started to yell out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I like to say, Marcus, that Bart Bartimaeus wasn't really blind. Now, some of you say, now, pastor, it says it right there. He's blind. What are you talking about? Well, let me just tell you this is that the phrase or the title, son of David, was only used for the Messiah, for the true Messiah, the true son of God. So other words, Bartimaeus may have been physically blind, but he was not spiritually blind. That there were people all around Jesus who could not see Jesus, but there was blind Bartimaeus who could see Jesus. And so friends, that scripture lets us know no matter what condition you might be in right now, no matter how hopeless your situation might be, no matter how impossible things people might say, you can always see Jesus. You can always see him. You can always call out to him. Don't let anyone tell you that your situation is so hopeless that Jesus can't make a difference. Now, what's interesting to me is that in this passage, that, that probably the same people who brought, brought, brought Bartimaeus there are the very ones now who are telling him to be quiet. Now, they, they have their blessings. They, are, they, they see what's going on, but here they are telling poor Bartimaeus to be quiet. Don't bother Jesus. 
And you see, friends, that's why I say this over and over. You have to make Jesus your best friend. Family, yes, they're important, but there are times when you're going to go to very family members and they're going to be like the people like Bartimaeus putting you down. Some of you are going to go to friends instead of going to Jesus and they're going to be the very people putting you down, saying that your situation is so bad, you're not going to get out of that. You know how bad it is. But friends, the story of Bartimaeus could have been over with right there. If he would have just listened to one of those people and said, you know what? You're right. My situation is hopeless. My situation is just too bad. They say I don't have enough money. They say my bills are too much. They say I'm not going to get over this sickness. You're right. And that would have been the end of the story of Bartimaeus. But instead, the scripture says something different. The scripture says that he yelled even the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out even the more. What an example for us. That when people are seeing that you're no good, that you're never going to get out of your situation. Don't listen to them. Instead, follow the example of Bartimaeus. Cry out even more. Son of David, Jesus, the Messiah, son of God, have mercy on my situation. And friends, you will see that God will hear those prayers and that he will step in like you have never imagined before. Now, one of my very favorite verses in this passage is verse 48. Because in the midst of all the negativeness, something happened. Verse 48 simply says this. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. He shouted even the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now let's go to verse 49. Jesus stopped. Did y'all hear me? In the midst of all the negativeness, in the midst of Bartimaeus could have, he should have, could have given up. But he cried to Jesus and Jesus stood still. And I want you to know that that same Jesus that stood still for Bartimaeus is waiting to stand still for you. No matter what people say about your situation, Jesus will stand still for you. And notice here, He said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Now, what's interesting is these are probably the same people who told Bartimaeus just to be quiet a few minutes ago. And now when he's about to get his blessing, all of a sudden they're his friends again. Hey, Jesus is calling you. Cheer up. Friends, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't put your eyes on people. People will let you down every single time. Now, notice what the scripture goes on to say. In verse 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet 
and he came to Jesus. What does a cloak represent? What the cloak represents is that Bartimaeus didn't want anything in between him and Jesus. And there are some of us here today. That's what's stopping us from getting that blessing is that we have some cloaks around us that we have to set aside. So there's someone here today. You have a cloak of negativity. That Jesus is ready to bless you. He's ready to call you. But you are become such a negative person. That you can't even get the blessing that Jesus wants for you. There are some here that have a cloak of doubt. That they have believed in their mind so long that it just can't work out. It's going to be bad no matter what. That that cloak of doubt is stopping you from receiving that blessing that Jesus has in store for you. And I don't know what the cloak is, but you in your heart, you know what that is. And I'm here to say today that Jesus will give you the strength to throw that cloak aside because he doesn't want anything in between you and him. Now, notice what the verse goes on to say here in verse 51. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi. I want to see. You see, Bartimaeus did three simple things. But before we say what those three things are, let's go to verse 52. The very last part of the scripture. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. Friends, Bartimaeus did three simple things. If you don't remember anything else that I have said here today, let me tell you the three simple things that Bartimaeus did that you can do for your life. He used something that Teresa can relate with a, B, C. That's simply it. A, B, C. He asked Jesus for help. He believed that Jesus really could make a difference. And he claimed his victory. A, B, C. Asked. You see, you have to do like Bartimaeus and you have to say something to Jesus. Lord, I need you. I need your help, dear Jesus. And then the second thing is sometimes the hardest. And that is that you have to believe that Jesus can make a difference. There are many of us who ask, but that belief is the part that is so hard. I know for me at least. Because like Bartimaeus, I can start looking at my situation, start looking at the things around me, and it seems that pff, there's just no way 
God could do what he said. Just no way. And that's why the scripture tells us that there are some times that we have to pray, Lord, help my unbelief. Because God then will even step in with our unbelief and give us that belief that we're missing. And then the third thing is simply this. We have to claim our victory. Friends, you have to leave saying that I know it's going to work out. I don't care what people say. I don't care what my situation may be. I don't care if I feel like I'm a loser, but I'm claiming my victory. I'm going to be like Bartimaeus. I'm not going to let anyone influence me because I know what God has said. He can make it happen and that he will bring it together. A, B, C. Ask, believe, claim your victory. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads at this time. And I'm feeling that there are some here today that can relate to Bartimaeus. That people have said stuff about you. Maybe even family members have let you down. Your situation is just not what you expected it to be. But this message today has given you an example that nothing is impossible with God. That the same God that stopped for Bartimaeus wants to stop by you with your situation. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9 in Washington, D.C. We'd love it if you came to visit sometime. We meet each Saturday afternoon at 5 at the Mrs. John Hopkins Memorial Chapel at Tacoma Academy in Tacoma Park, Maryland. You can learn more and get directions by visiting mygatewayfellowship.com.